Hoping I might come back for my siblings, knowing I'm missing. Hey, yo, my family don't acknowledge my existence. I'm thinking, hey, that's the cost of doing business. I lost everybody I ever knew as a witness. I'm thinking, hey, that's the cost of doing business. This is Giants Amongst Us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. And you know the code. This is Giants Amongst Us, where we share in that unique human experience. And if this is your first time tuning in, pull up a chair. Please do stay a while. I hope this finds you all in good spirits. Today, we've got another one. And we are joined by, let's just call him F.S. And he's got a story to tell. This man from the womb was conditioned he was bred to be and only be a jehovah's witness and if you guys are anything like me at first glance and just judging somebody off appearance when i would see a jehovah's witness i would see somebody who's respectable somebody who's wholesome somebody who's living a pure and clean life but man oh man you can't always judge a book by its cover but I'm sure a lot of you, you already know that. And sometimes that apple, it looks tasty. It looks juicy from the outside. But once you bite into it, worms, all bad. Today, you might hear some things that are surprising, some things that are shocking, some things that you just won't believe is going on, has been going on, and is still going on with this organization. Many ex-members call it a cult. And after you hearing this, I'll let you decide for yourself. So this man, he had the fire inside of him. He was passionate about getting his story out, getting his word out, and shining light, and bringing awareness to what's really going on. We had a little bit of a struggle trying to hook this thing up. We had a couple of misfires, some fall-throughs with the audio. We had to reconnect, link back up, and finish up the second half of the conversation but i just have to thank my man he was flexible he was willing he was eager to hook back up and to complete this conversation so that the word can get out that was the most important thing for him to get the word out he's lost family he's lost friends this is something that is personal to him and i think after hearing his story and listening to his experience you'll know why so ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, this is F.S. in his story. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Giants Amongst Us, where we share in the unique human experience. And today, I'd like to welcome a guest who has a story to tell. He has an, an experience to share with us. And um, I want to thank you, first of all, for taking time out of your day. You could have been anywhere. You could have been doing anything, but we're here now. So uh, thank you and welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, it's important to me. Let's do it. Right on. So just for starters, you know, to to give us an idea of um, what some of your background is, can you just talk a little bit? We don't have to get into specifics, like I said, yeah. but talk, no, yeah, sure. talk a little bit about where you come from and how it was for you growing up. Absolutely. So I would just say that I'm from North America. The Canadian and American JW experience is, from what I've read, almost identical. So it's pretty mm -hmm. much the same thing, whether, no matter what. Um, I came from a small town with 
uh, one congregation. Uh, my mother was born into the religion. My father was recruited around the age of eh, 20-something. Um, they met and got married within three months, which sounds fast and is not entirely unusual in JW land. Mm-hmm. And they had some kids, and I was one of them. That's where it all began. Small town, one congregation. So you per- you were brought into it. Your parents were already married. They were involved with these with this organization, or or do we just go right and right out and call it a spade a spade and say this is a cult? Yeah, you can definitely call it um, a cult. Like I uh, had mentioned to you before, sometimes it's comes down to a matter of opinion on what a cult is. But I think that uh, there's check boxes, and they check those boxes. So we can call it a cult. Um, I was definitely, yeah, I was born into it. Uh, they, they encourage indoctrination in the womb. They want parents, if possible, you know, they, they, okay, they want, they encourage parents to listen to tapes and things like that out loud while they're pregnant. Uh, so yeah, my indoctrination started before I was born. Mm, that's, I mean, that's no different than you have some people that say musicians, they come from a musician family and they're playing music they're playing music to the baby while the baby's growing inside of them. And, and, you know, these type of things, because you know that, I don't know. I, I believe that there's something to that. You, you already, the, the child is developing and, and it's picking up on, on the inside of oh, it. The science of sound. Yeah. The science of sound right. it definitely influences the child. So music would have been nice. Um, but I got, you know, indoctrination instead so that's pre-programmed before i was even born well how was it for you um did you go to a regular school or were you how how did that yeah so how did that play out so growing up um you do go into a regular school there are some communities of jw's that are big enough to actually have their own school i know um and i think california or something like that so it kind of depends on how many are in the area but no i went to a regular school because i was in a like this city I was in had less than 10,000 people when I was growing up. Like it was tiny. So I went to a regular school and you know, that was, that was an interesting experience being a JW kid in school. There's a lot of things that uh, you get confronted on very early in life that you don't even know or understand, but you have to defend. Like we don't celebrate Christmas. We don't stand for the national anthem. We don't sing the national anthem. Um, oftentimes like kids took various stances. A lot of times kids would be like put outside the room when birthdays were celebrated or, you know, Halloween was celebrated or they did anything that was in violation of the JW thing. You were often just put outside the room. And that's kind of a common theme with JWs. It's just their extreme beliefs are self-isolating. Right. You had, okay. You had your school schedule. Now, how was it when you were outside of school like people that are involved in that i mean most of their extra time is pretty much taken up to the organization right you're over there outreaching or you're you're being indoctrinated so your typical week would be about seven or eight hours of meetings or preaching so when i was growing up they had three meetings a week they had something called a book study where it was just like we would study one of their books usually some prophecy book um, the one that i studied the most was the revelation book and i can get into that a bit later it's basically trying to interpret the book of revelation which, okay this is separate from the bible yes it's 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 like they they go through a verse by verse analysis okay so it's it, it's basically taking the bible book of revelation and saying this is what this means this is what this means and the stuff they said is 
totally batshit insane when you look at it 20, 30 years later. It's kind of funny, actually. Yeah, because that book, that book in itself is just full of symbolism. Well, yeah, like, I don't trust any human to know what the hell that book means. Like, that would have to be explained to me by whoever inspired it, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I don't understand, right? So, yeah, so that was one of the things. Was a, We called that the book study, and then they would have another meeting on another weeknight. So that was on one weeknight. The next one would be on another weeknight, usually a Thursday. Um, and that would be a two-part meeting, which was about an hour and 45 minutes. So you're always up late to like 10 o'clock going to these damn meetings. Every kid. How, how old were you? Like as far back as you could remember, you were attending these meetings? Oh, yeah. Like I was born into it. So as a child, baby, everything. I went from youth. I stopped going when I was 35, something. Wow. Was there, how am I trying to put this? Was there, you know, were you able to just <laughs> call off? You know, I'm not going this, I'm not going today. I don't feel like it. I'm, I'm sick or I have something else going on. Or were they coming to follow up on you? Why aren't you, you know, why weren't you there yesterday? And Yeah. Like people do miss meetings. It's not, you know, entirely crazy. If you miss a whole bunch in a row, people start to get suspicious. And if you continue to miss, eventually you'll be starting to be isolated from the flock, as it were. Yeah, we, like, I mean, as a kid, if you ever got out of a meeting, it was the most wonderful thing ever. Because it was like, the meetings were always prime time. And the time when we went out in service, Saturday mornings, right? Like, that's when all the cartoons were on. And where were we? Knocking on people's doors. Yeah. So it just, it sucked up all of your best time. But uh, yes, I think I missed what your original question was. But <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That that's pretty much what I was alluding to. And I, and also we we were talking offline, and man, I mean, we we really got into some some stuff. Like I'm sure a lot of people listening, like myself, before I started to read and hear about what goes on behind doors, uh, is really surprising, and um, it's just. You know, it, it's sickening that these people, they, they really they really put on a good front to where, you know, I'm blinded and ignorant to the fact that you would just think, oh, this is a, a regular regular religion. They have the Bible or I don't most of the time it's the watchtower, but they have uh, the, the ladies have their dresses, the long dresses and the men have their slacks and the young kids have even sometimes two piece suits. And uh, they look very presentable and righteous and um, what you hear about uh from a lot of ex-members is is pretty uh sickening uh, not even pretty it's just disgusting so like how was it for you when you were involved with uh with this cult how was it for you um did it always sit right with you or was there a time and a place where you know i guess maybe you know before we get into all that like can you kind of give a, a brief overview of what their doctrine is what exactly it is that they sure. believe yeah it's um where to start so they believe in 1914 jesus took his throne um in heaven invisibly they take they take several scriptures and they formulated a prophecy out of this that says 1914 is when jesus came back and they feel very confident in that because they look at the World War One and they think that that maybe validates their prophecy. I mean, this is kind of the retcon of that. Originally, they thought 1914 was the end of the world and they preached that. So that's that's going way back. And when they got that wrong, mm. they actually did, you know, four or five follow up every other year after that saying, no, Armageddon's actually 1950, 
et cetera, et cetera. Cover face. Yeah, and, they were, and, and it, it kind of worked a little bit because they grew really fast, right? They scared a lot of people into joining. Um, so anyways, that much aside, so they believe Jesus did that. They believe there's two classes of Christians, an earthly class and a heavenly class. In Revelation, there's 144,000 spoken of. Um, and they believe that represents a, an actual hard number of people that are going to get a heavenly reward. They believe the earthly class of people will get an earthly reward where they'll live in a paradise earth forever in youth and happiness, essentially. They believe Jesus is the son of God, not God himself. Mm. They believe Jehovah is God's name, even though that's not quite right. It's a bit of a mistranslation. They believe that you should preach in order to, you know, be kind of counted as worthy of getting into this new system. So is it is it by works or tenets that you you're able to um, experience this heaven after after death, or is it like by salvation, the grace of God? Well, and- that's a great question, and and it it brings out something that's very important with JWs. They want it both ways. They'll always tell you it's not works by salvation, but the the other like they'll have two back to back talks without any sense of irony, and they'll have one that will say. We don't do works by salvation. The next one will be why you need to go out and preach to earn salvation. Like uh-huh. there's, you can read all of their propaganda and you'll see a dual message with just about everything. There's always this, it's like, it just feels so dishonest when I think about it now, but it's just like, yeah, they'll tell you straight to your face. No, we don't believe in works based salvation. And then they'll also tell you right to your face. Yeah. We believe you have to go out in service to earn salvation. And what you were sharing um, before we started re- recording when we were offline was was the very strict measures that they had people on from work, from studies, and uh, across the board, pretty much. Yeah, as far as strictness, so that's where you kind of get into checking off the cult boxes, right? It's like when you think of a JW, right. in, in some form or another, they control parts of your life as far as what you can do in your marriage bed. Like no oral sex, it's not right um what you can eat which i understand you know no blood right so like you're not supposed to eat blood Mm -hmm. it's in the bible so they don't want you eating blood and that makes sense but it's controlled if you did that routinely you'd be disfellowshipped and shunned they control what you wear they want you wearing certain things modestly they control if you shave or not if you if you live in a town where people typically don't shave and you grew a beard or they typically shave and you grew a beard they would probably withhold you from certain activities kind of a soft punishment so they control what you eat they control what you think oh my god they want jehovah living in your mind they want you to think he is literally over your shoulder 24 freaking seven so that it influences and impacts every single thing you do um how was that as a child living with that guilt or that feeling like he's over you at all times watching your every move uh to be honest it made me conclude i would not get into the new world easily i was just like i'm like i'm I'm not good enough i never felt i was good enough so i just concluded i'm not getting into the new world which sort of led to a host of behavioral problems because it was around this time when i started having that thought which was like eight nine ten i'm like i'm not gonna make it i was also studying the revelation book which said basically the way they implied it was that the end of the world is coming like super super fast and I was under the distinct impression it would come before I turned 18. And this is 20 some odd years ago. Um, 
they actually put it in print that the end of the world would come before the end of this century. And they did that in about 89. So me, I'm, I'm told that everything I'm learning in this meeting is the truth. I'm eight years old. And they tell me that the end of the world is coming before January or December 31st, 1999. Mm. So that fear of Armageddon, of every single person who's not a JW will be destroyed. And just like living in that every single day, it's like being in the walking dead, man. Wow. Yeah, that's got to shake the hell out of you. I mean, and, and uh, I'm sure you weren't alone. I mean, you, you had friends, you had uh, peers and people around you, and I'm sure maybe you spoke with them and they were going through something See, yeah, similar. As a child, you don't know you're going through something, right? Like this is life. This is just normal for me. Right. That's normal. That's what you grew up into. Everything they're teaching me, like, this is the truth. This is the way my reality is. Like, literally every person you see who's not a JW is going to be slaughtered mercilessly by God at any moment. Starting now. Starting the moment I heard that. It could happen any minute. Anytime there was a thunderstorm growing up, a large snowstorm, super windy days, dark clouds, that kind of shit freaked the hell out of me. Because I always thought it was the beginning of, like, this slaughter that we had all been waiting for. Like they are an apocalyptic death cult. Like you would not fucking believe <laughs> it made me suicidal big time as a child. The first suicidal thought I had, I was 10 years old, 10 years old. And, and this was, this was having to do with the constant fear of the world is coming to an end and I'm not going to make it at 10 years old. You're already, you're already instilling that in, in a child. Well, you, you spoke, a bit before again um uh, there was people that that were in your circle you know they they um they ended up taking their their lives because of the just you know because of these type of things yeah like to speak on the subject of you know like i'll just cover all of the death in the organization and the things that i feel that they're responsible for so you have in the very, very beginning, I think even before they were called Jehovah's Witnesses, they didn't adopt that name until the 20s. Um, they were called the Bible students, but I believe, I don't remember exact dates, but there was a time where they kind of said vaccines are wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we all know the science behind vaccines and, you know, sometimes sure, whatever, I'm not here to express opinions, but we're talking like polio right. vaccines and shit, like stuff that like the science is pretty sound on some of the vaccines that were developed back mm -hmm. then, right? It's like, we don't have certain diseases today because of that. They denied that for a while and eventually said that was okay. So we're, when we were talking about death, you can probably guarantee somebody died because of that teaching. In the 70s, they denied, they said that um, organ transplants were cannibalism. And they said you should not do it. And it was a, for about a 10 or 11 year period uh, that you could pretty much guarantee some people lost their lives. And then at the end of that period, they just said, you know what? We're going to call this a conscience matter. So now if you want to get that, it's a conscience matter. And of course, every single person, there's been zero people who've chosen to not get an organ transplant. As far as my understanding, like, correct me if I'm wrong, if anyone knows. But so that's part of the, And I, I definitely call them responsible for that death, because like I mentioned to you before, um, if you you only had two choices, you took the organ transplant and lost all of your friends and family because they would be forced to shun you. Or you didn't, and you died. Either way, you're suffering a physical or a virtual death. Um, and then they said that um, for, for a long time, they had forbidden blood, right? So, like, they still do. No blood transfusions. But there was a certain point, I think, in the 80s, where they said um, certain fractions of these blood you can take. 
And it was like, it opened up the door to a lot of treatment that initially, like mm. if you see like that, all the people that might've died before that point, because that door was closed. And I find that they are definitely responsible and blood guilty for that. And they also have no biblical backing for this teaching. They just pulled it out of their ass. They're like, well, these, mm. like they've talked to doctors and every single doctor's like, whatever, like you guys are insane for these things. Like saying that this blood fraction's okay, but not blood is or, and having blood is is not okay but this like fraction of a fraction yeah sure that's fine it's like it's all blood it's just components of it right it's like it's silly would you say that it was every kingdom hall was was preaching this exact doctrine or was this like lo, was it specific to region or location unity of doctrine and action is one big thing like they there's a scripture in the bible that says you will know if you are my followers if you have true like love amongst yourselves so they take right. that extrapolate that scripture and kind of say this is our unity right and i mean the unity they have is essentially the same camaraderie if i was let's say i'm a new york giants fan and i meet a new york giants fan across the world in japan it's like an instant camaraderie will be there like hey we're pals like yeah we mm -hmm. love the same thing and it's like you'll be like miniature friends for a bit you're not like the best of friends but it feels good and that's the entire special thing, the special feeling they believe they have. That special Bible-based unity is just camaraderie for believing the same crap. That was a bit of a divergent, but you know what I mean. No, 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 no. Right, right on. Yeah, no, you made it. You made it clear. I, and then I'm sorry because you were you were carrying on about the deaths that you feel that they're responsible for. You can you can keep going with that. Yeah. Okay. So to to keep going with the deaths thing. Um. So we had like so they basically. They started to allow subcomponents of blood and everyone who died before that, I would say that they're blood guilty for that. Another part of what I consider the blood guilty for is there's a scandal that was called the Mexico-Malawi scandal. And it came down to political identification cards and army service or something to that effect. But basically, the doctrine from the governing body, they said, no, the people in uh, Malawi are not allowed to own a, or purchase a political card. Now, it was a dictatorship at that time. So basically, it would be like if Putin ruled the world and he says, I want $10 and you'll get a card that says you are a part of the Putin party, which you have no choice. He's a dictator. And that's what's going on in Malawi. They had to, like everyone was under the same government. They just had to pretend like they were supporting it willingly with this card. Now, the governing body said, don't do that. And because of that, people were raped and killed. And... I consider the organization responsible for those deaths and rapes. And it's a pretty horrific thing. Now, how that translates and why I mentioned Mexico is because a similar thing was going on in Mexico where I think they had to sign up for military service or something. They had to have a card that said, I did military service, but they could just bribe their way to get that card. They could just, they don't have to do any military service. They could just flip a thousand pesos and yeah, here, we'll give you a card that says you did it. Mm -hmm. So people are kind of, you know, it, it, there's a bit of a connection there saying on one end, I'm allowed to have this card saying I did something for the government. On the other end, I'm not. And people are literally dying and being raped because of that. Um, so I would say that the organization is responsible for some horrors in that aspect. Yeah. And no, no, so, you, you were you were also were mentioning Well, you, you can you can um, carry on with that thought. I was also going to point out that I, I remember you brought up in Pennsylvania. There's something recent, right, that they have going on with this this isn't having to do with death but i mean it's it's pretty damn severe yes and 
I can get to that. I'll just finish. I think it's important no, just, yeah. um, for the final moment of like what, what kind of deaths I would consider them responsible for is yeah, run it. like I'd mentioned, I lost a few friends to suicide. People I knew personally, people I worked with for years, uh, people who I was friends with. I went on vacation or not vacation, but you know, work trips with for days and days. I know these people and they ended their life because of the shunning they couldn't handle. So I would say that the governing body and Jehovah's Witnesses as an organization are responsible for the orphans that were made by that, the people who lost their daughter, people who lost their brother, uncle, etc. Like all, all, all that loss, I blame the organization for. So grand total, they have a lot of death on their hands. And that concludes the full portfolio of the death. A lot of blood in their hands. And, and my goodness, when you think about just how how good of a front that they put up and um a lot of people and that's why i think this was this was very important that that we connected and you were you were so willing and eager you were game like i said you were right away like okay let's do it man i'm all for it if it's it's if it's about bringing light and then let's go ahead and do that bringing awareness to the situation because uh like I was saying, the, the only way that these things could be brought to light is if people bring it to light and speak about it. And um, you were you were very willing to do that. But yeah, my goodness, under the guise of religion and all of these things have been going on, they still do go on. Um, I think it's probably fair to say. So, yeah, like there's there's thousands of people that lose their lives in the religion every year for refusing blood transfusions. And I think... I don't know any statistics because nobody's going to want to look those up or publish them. Definitely not the JWs. Um, I think disproportionately it's often pregnant women and babies because that's like a very, you know, violent thing to kind of happen to the human body going through birth and a lot of blood loss a lot of times and saying no to blood loss in that situation is a death sentence. Um, there was a guy I think who interviewed on a YouTube channel I watched who used to be um, in charge of like co the contact at Bethel, which is what the headquarters is called, and he would field a lot of these calls. We're saying, hey, we've got a blood issue. And it's like, we've got a pregnant person, they're in need of blood. And basically, they just organize a team of elders that go down and make sure that the blood policy is followed and provide some spiritual comfort as secondary. But yeah, disproportionately a lot of, a lot of it. And that's really sad to me. Mm. People just starting out their lives, young mothers, just families absolutely destroyed by it. And it is a very common theme. Like you could find so many news articles with headlines like that. And it's, it's never not soul crushing because it's a simple procedure to give a little bit of blood. They could have given themselves. And this is one of the weird things like JWs aren't even allowed to extract their own blood and store it and use it for a procedure later. Like that's mm -hmm. my own blood. I can't use that to save my own life. And that's like, it's just like these, yeah, these yeah. insane rules that they make that cost well, so many unnecessary lives. They ultimately want, the totality of a human being, like you said, your thoughts, your body, every action, all of it is now, I guess it's of service to not God. I mean, this is this is an organization. This is a cultish entity that is demanding all of you. And without question, like you said, you're not to ask questions. You're not to raise any concerns. You're pretty much just to go along with it without, you know, peep. You got to understand, like the perspective of when you're in is it's something unique and very intoxicating, right? Like when I look at you, I see a worldly person who could die at any moment due to your ignorance. So I know something special, right? Like I have this secret knowledge that you don't. Yeah. 
I am aware of what's going on in the world. Like, I was so confident as a child. You got the key. I'm going to kill myself before I'm getting comes because I like there was this kind of doctrine loophole where if you kill yourself, you're kind of potentially forgiven and resurrected. <laughs> so I was like, that was my best shot. And growing up, that's a really fucked up thing for a child to think that killing yourself is your best chance to get to paradise. But that's the truth. And now I forget what I was talking about just before. Yeah, no, just the whole intoxication of the doctrine and that. Yeah. Yes, right. So yes, the, so the so the experience of being inside, right? Like we have special knowledge that you don't have. It's a very, it just consumes you. And they tell you like you. This is they call it. They call it within the organization. They call it the truth. It's constantly, constantly referred to as the truth. Whether people are in the truth, out of the truth, when they leave. You know, you're, are they strong in the truth? And like the truth is constantly like, it's like a brainwashing tactic to like make you think, well, it is the truth. I'm learning the truth. Right. And it's kind of an insidious thing to do to children when you also tell them the world's going to end in 10 years. <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah. Like it's, but it is very intoxicating when you're in it. You truly like they Jehovah's witnesses are absolute true believers. They've been compared to like Scientologists, like this fanatical belief that there is absolutely zero chance that their doctrine and ideas are wrong zero like they have they just can't there's zero room for doubt it doesn't even matter if the governing body comes out and says we make mistakes which they have we're not inspired which they've said but they still just have to follow that 100 percent. it's just like they are true believers and it's very scary i'm just glad they're pacifists because these are the, the level that they believe and our intensity is like the same as jihadists mm. It's just that they're pacifists, which is great. Right. It's like, thank goodness the worst thing they want to do to you is give you a watchtower and hope you convert. <laughs> mm -hmm. But also, like, that's one layer of it. But then we were talking about some of the things that, that has been known to go on in, in um, some of the cases that they've had. Not even some of, but probably many where you have uh, children that are... Uh, being abused and you have that that type of stuff oh yeah so i can i can kind of do it this, the same way i'd cover death from the beginning of what i'm aware of to where we're at now um so the original policies which did a lot of damage you know throughout 50s 60s 70s 80s was there had to be two witnesses to a crime in order for the elders to take action and since it's such a closed community anytime crimes or accusations of crimes come like come up it goes to the elders it doesn't go to police or anyone else it's like we got to take this issue to the elders so if a child went to their parent let's say and said this person touched me in this way that would go to the elders and then the elders would form a tribunal so they'd have three elders and a committee and they would interview the child i would hope with the parent present i've heard of times when the parent wasn't they would get into very explicit details graphic details with this child they would have to determine whether the child was a willing participant and that's a legitimate real thing that that was part of their instructions from bethel was to find out if the child was a willing participant wow no yeah way. it's pretty shocking when you think of it um and disgusting obviously i mean how can the child have consent exactly so like they they might say you know like i, I don't even want to get into their mental gymnastics it's just gross it's just gross it's like we're talking about adults preying on children and they still want to find out if the kid was willing. Yeah, that's the that's point. Yeah, that's point blank. Some of these things have been kind of muted over the years where they're probably not as intense. I'm pretty sure nowadays, every time an accusation like this comes up, the parent will be present. I don't know if that's true. I sincerely hope so. But they've also changed it so that 
like back in the day, like I was mentioning before, you, you had one witness or two witness rule, right? Where two witnesses have had to be witness to this crime. So if the child said, Hey mom, somebody touched me, they could go to the elders and it would just be a matter of this child versus this adult saying he did this. The adult could say, no, I didn't. And that's as far as it goes. That would get cataloged, sealed up in an envelope and stuffed away. So it's the child's word over the elders. The child's word versus like they like both versus the right versus the the accused. Right. So it's like mm -hmm. the perpetrator and the child will both have their chance to basically plead their case to the elders. And back in the day, since it was, you know, and it's still two witness rule is still abounds like they still go by this. If there wasn't another witness to it, the guy would just walk. And like in Australia, I mentioned to you that I think over in the, in the last 50 years, since a certain night, date in the 1950s, 60s, 70s or so, there's been about 100,000 JWs in Australia. And they found that there was a thousand plus cases of individuals accused of abuse that never, like not one of those got investigated. And that ended up being like, so 1% of JWs basically in Australia were pedophiles that never got, that never got investigated unbelievable yeah and all of that came to light during the australian royal commission where they were investigated a part of as part of the whole government investigating multiple religions and they got grilled pretty hard like they lost some serious face like many jw's are on the xjw forum because they saw what was going down in australia and in fact like that's one of our primary ways to try to wake people up is to say you got to look into the art the australian royal commission because like it'll blow your mind. You can see like the governing body, these people who are leading you, they get interviewed by judges. They're being deceptive. They're being sneaky with their language, cagey. Like they won't give a straight answer there. And they get like called out on it multiple times, embarrassed. Like these are people leading millions with absolute obedience and they're embarrassing. So yeah, recommending that. So anyways, that's part of the child abuse scandal. They've also were investigated into in the UK. Uh, one of the things I found interesting about the UK investigation, it, it was called ICSA, I believe. It was International Inquiry into Child Sexual Abuse, I believe. Um, that one, they found, they investigated a bunch of religions, and some of them actually had not, like no child abuse problems. And it was something that was very interesting to see as a JW, because I was kind of waking up when I was reading this, and I was told, you know, it's like, well, you know, we, we, you can't blame the organization for child sexual abuse, because it happens everywhere. And I was just seeing the statistic that no, it doesn't. Because you got to understand, JWs are true believers. They believe God chose them over anybody. I almost called them Jod. That would have been great. Mm. Um, <laughs> they believe God chose them above everybody. So all of this is like a, you know, they're this special people. So they shouldn't have any child sexual abuse. And it's provable by statistics that there are organizations without it. So how do you tell me that your religion is the one true religion? And then they also tell you that all of the religions are controlled by Satan. So somehow Satan can run a religion without child sexual abuse, but Jehovah can't, right? And that's the main reason why they don't want people looking into mm -hmm. these things. They don't want people questioning the doctrine, starting to questioning the governing body, because literally you pull a thread, man, and that sweater comes apart like he paid five bucks for it. It's like it. their doctrine mm -hmm. falls apart mm -hmm. so insanely fast that their only hope is extreme information control. And like I was mentioning to you before, they tell you that the media, the governments, and any people who are not JWs are basically under the influence That's the of the devil. devil. Not direct control, but influence. Mm -hmm. Which means you can never fully trust the media, the government, anything you read, 
shouldn't really be able to trust yourself. You can only trust Jehovah. How do you trust him? By trusting the governing body. Are they pretty strict about, well, I mean, you, you mentioned before how they're, they're telling you how you can have relations with your significant other in the bedroom. <laughs> so, I mean, are they also telling you yeah. you shouldn't have a TV, you shouldn't put that radio on, and, and not just telling you, but are they going in there and, and like ripping it from you if you do have one? Just to keep that information, you know, that you have to filter it out and you're only getting what we want you to get. The rest is nonsense. So so there's a lot of like their their control is kind of passive aggressive. So essentially, if you were somebody in a congregation, you're like, hey, I really like the Lord of the Rings movies, which would be kind of semi frowned upon. I know tons of witnesses who have watched and tons that don't. It's an interesting thing to talk about because I know elders who watch it. And they also go up and talk about, you know, how magic is wrong and how <clears throat> wizards are wrong and shit like that, right? So it's like this hypocrisy, and you kind of touched on a bit of a sore subject for me, which is the hypocrisy within the religion. And it is, there's just so much that I, yeah, I can I imagine 10 hours to discuss it. So, so yeah, just so that little part. Yeah. I, I mean, and then you can always ultimately, like what some religions do, is where if they can't get in there physically to control you, they always have God to, to put oh, right yeah, over like, you and say, if you don't do what you need to be doing, you know, in the afterlife, there's there's hell to pay. Exactly. And it's it's very like the reason why JWs have that kind of soft looking exterior and they seem approachable and kind is because everything is very subtle, right? Like they don't usually come right out and say it. Say, if you don't do this, you're going to die. Mm, that's a turnoff. They always use like examples like, oh, people who did this in the past died because they did this. Look at like they would talk about, you know, examples of like there's this Bible character, Korah, I believe, and his his sons didn't listen to the elders of the camp and they all got killed. And that's a favorite story for JWs to do because it's like they can reinforce what they want, which is obedience and back mm. it up with. A twisted Bible scripture. Yeah. What was going on with the, you also mentioned the case, I, I believe it's more recent. Uh, I don't know how recent the other ones that you brought up. Yeah. The one in Pennsylvania, what was that happening? Yeah. So I'll finish going through kind of like a bit of the, the CSA explosion history. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Run it, run it. So Pennsylvania did like that did happen earlier this year. Yeah. I'll go through that actually. So basically I think there was 14 plus JWs. Some of them were elders that were arrested for, you know, pedophilia, and it's an ongoing investigation. Um, one of the guys ended his life before he could get arrested. So you can take that as a innocent mm. or guilty plea. I'll leave that up to you. So yeah, I was going to say like this is an ongoing investigation. Like they set up, they set up their own phone number for this investigation. So like they had, they said if you were a JW and you've experienced anything it doesn't matter where you're from like they wanted to hear from people any part of the country because like this is it's like just starting to unfold but some of the facts that were interesting from this case um i mentioned to you before that you know obviously obedience is a huge thing obedience to the governing body and they talk about obedience to elders and they want you to mirror that the same amount of obedience you would give to your leaders should be the same as what you give to these elders and why that was a dangerous thing is because some of these um, pedophiles ended up being elders and they were using situations within the congregation to isolate and abuse children. Um, JWs oftentimes say that the child sexual abuse within their organization is not institutional like the Catholics where you would have kids dropped off at Sunday school and there's 20 kids around a priest, obviously he can molest one. 
So they say, yeah, we're not like that. But what they do have is like these service groups where they'll have 20 people and then they'll break off into four groups of four. And oftentimes, you know, back in the 80s, especially parents would let their kids just go with an elder, go with whoever, because they trusted them, implicitly trusted them. And part of the reason why they implicitly trust them is because JWs believe mm -hmm. elders are literally appointed by Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit has something to do with them getting assigned as an elder in their congregation. So if you combine Holy Spirit appointed with, I want you to obey them as much as you obey the leaders, and then you combine that with a JW pedophile who's preying on these kids in these service groups, it just amounts to one big disgusting clusterfuck, I guess. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, no, they it, you and they ultimately have the license to do whatever the hell they want because who's going to question God's chosen vessel? Precisely, like it takes so long for this stuff to come to light that like all this stuff that we're talking about is probably a decade old or more, right? Like because there's, there's so much control, and one of the big things with this organization is they don't want you to reproach Jehovah's name, which I can get into towards the end that it's not really a correct translation, but whatever. So yeah. they don't want you to approach. And when they say they don't want you to approach Jehovah's name, they don't want you to bring negative light to the organization because Jehovah is virtually just the organization. It's synonymous with the governing body and the organization. Their God is the governing body. They won't admit that. They'll say, no, that's blasphemy, blah, blah, blah. But it, virtually that's what it is because they give them their absolute obedience to the point of death. Many people have died obeying them. Like they are their God. So... So this was this tied into the Philadelphia, or not the Philadelphia, the Pennsylvania thing. So they were just getting investigated there. I can carry on maybe with um, another. Yeah, if you feel they're worth mentioning, know, go ahead. So like, I guess like the the final, like I'm just mentioning kind of like the big issues. Like they've gone through some class action lawsuits. I think there's one going on in Canada and Quebec, I believe. An interesting thing that just came up is, uh, I believe it's New Zealand is investigating. They're doing a similar thing to what the UK did with ICSA and Australia with uh, Australian Royal Commission, they're doing like basically a countrywide investigation into churches and their institutional abuse. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses, this interesting fact, are the only ones who were being counted as being investigated who tried to get out of it. They actually sued to get out of being investigated for child abuse. And they lost, thankfully, and will be included in the investigation. But it's, it just shows the level of arrogance these people have. Even with the admissions in Australia of how many pedophiles they let slip through the net, how many children got re-abused mm -hmm. and abused worse because they let them off because you need that two witness rule again. It's like, it's just insidious, man. Like, <laughs> it's a very dangerous religion. It's, it's super dangerous for children. It's sickening to, to know that. Yeah, that they actually like say the, these are people that are part of the organization and the ones that are in the know that know what's going on and they are trying to keep it in house. Nobody is trying to have any kind of justice served. Let's just keep it in house because we're going to give ourselves a bad name and and that that's not good for business. Yeah, that's that's kind of why people like consider them just absolutely corrupt because they're just they're hiding crimes in order to keep their image. It's disgusting. It's like Donald Trump. You know, and I was going to say, um, I was going to point to the fact, maybe I'm just not as hip to it or I haven't been paying close attention. But for some for some reason, it seems like it's common knowledge that the 
Catholic Church. They have a history of scandals. They have Netflix documentaries. I mean, the thing is, is public knowledge is not any kind of conspiracy theory. But for some reason, I don't know, it seems like maybe up until now or recently, things uh, are a bit more louder about it. But it seems like for me, at least my eyes, that it's it seems like they've been J-dubs I'm talking about. They've been flying under the radar. You don't really get to you're, you're mentioning all of these cases and things like that but I, I i think people that are on the outside maybe not involved with the involved with the organization or have been involved with it they might not even know what's going on oh exactly and why you said like spreading awareness was your objective and i'm like i'm on board because like people literally just look at Jeho- like jehovah's witnesses like they're just handing out literature there's some holy rollers yeah they're just whatever man like they're a punchline to a joke who's knocking on your door 10 a.m. Saturday. Exactly. And it's funny because the perception on the inside is that they are doing a life-saving work and that convincing themselves of that. I mean, most people would agree nowadays that it's kind of preaching to people is a form of self-indoctrination because the more you try to convince somebody else, the more you'll be convinced. And the only way JW doctrine mm-hmm. works is if everyone's super convinced because the minute you let a tiny bit of doubt in, that, that thread on the $5 sweater I was talking about, it just rips apart in like a second. Do you know of any that, because they've seemed to for quite some time keep things under wrap, do you know of any any uh, kingdom halls or, or any organizations anywhere where they've been pretty close with the government officials or something to kind of keep this under wrap and not get a b- bad uh, bad press for it? Uh, that's a great question. Um, and I don't I think you'll find that the main reason why it doesn't get out much, like the, the news articles are easy to find, but there's not a lot of people searching for JW news articles. Mm-hmm. Or mainstream. You won't see it on the mainstream news. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it it's a small religion. Let's face it. There's 8 million people, maybe, or whatever, approximately in there. And it's just not a big deal, right? Like, I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of just a, joke like they're not really like i mean the mormons they're kind of an interesting deal because they're you know 17 million they have a lot of wealth and influence and they don't mind getting into politics right so that's an interesting religion jw's are just this whatever they don't get into politics they're literally every single jw is just waiting for god to come and fix everything like jw's will not plant a tree because it's not worth the time because god's coming to fix everything oh wow very passive that 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 is the jw motto i mean like that's how I felt growing up. Like I like there, I saw JWs like they didn't even there would be a garbage bin right in front of them and a recycling bin to the left of it. And they would just throw shit right in the garbage because nothing mattered. Like recycling doesn't matter. It's just like it's a very bizarre religion. It's like you 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 think you're the chosen one. And that's what it is. Like you have a special knowledge, man. Mm-hmm. That's also kind kind of a, a... That's like a catch-22 with some religions or some aspects to where you're always planning for the future and you have this treasure in heaven awaiting you that they completely forget about the now and living in the present. Let's start enjoying what we have right now, right right here. But um, no, 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 that means nothing. You know, that'll be gone tomorrow. This is what we need to work towards. Exactly. So they don't, they do not invest in life in this world at all. Like um, they discourage education. Like they don't want people being higher educated Hmm. and hypocritically, they also ask for lawyers and doctors to apply to Bethel, which is really funny. (laughs) 
Of course, they want educated people, but only for themselves. You control a um, group of people more if they're they're ignorant. Like you were saying, you you mentioned before also that they're they don't even want you studying in your own. Um, you know, your own groups and looking over the Bible for yourself and learning any, that's kind of like the olden days where they didn't, you had to listen to what the preacher said. You weren't to go on your own and do your own homework or do your own reading. They'd rather you not be able to read. (laughs) It's hilarious that you say that because one of the examples, like, I mean, they give a lot of examples where they'll always give you 80% of the truth that they're, they're trying to hide that they're doing the same thing. So they make it seem like they're not right. So they say, you know, back in the day, they was the Bible was only in Latin. And the only people that could speak, it was the priest. So everyone just had to sit there and listen to what he said. And he could manipulate mm-hmm. and do whatever he wants. So they try to, they point that out as somebody else doing that. And that's bad. And they try to make it seem like JWs aren't doing the exact same thing. Because you are, you, you can read the Bible as much as you want, but the interpretation of it is up to them, governing body. And if you try to make your own or try to spread your own, you're gone, buddy. It's called causing division. Um, it's disfellowship your ass. <laughs> when... Or how was it that you found yourself questioning it and not just questioning it, but to the point where you started to separate yourself from this organization? Yeah. So you're asking about the waking up story, which is kind of what we call it. Um, Yeah. The waking up. Yeah. So uh, interestingly enough, um, you know, as a child, there was a lot of things that I had difficulties with. But of course, I was being taught that what I was learning was the truth. So I just had to bury that doubt. And we were often taught to bury doubts and just trust the governing body. Um, as I got older, around the age of 20s, um, a friend of mine basically was reading what they call apostate material. And he basically made the determination that it's a cult. And he left. And he told me a few things that I should look into. And I did. Wait, was this a, was this a friend that was also part of the... J-Dubs? Yes, he was a Jehovah's Witness, but he was doing like his independent research. And this is why they okay. always say don't do independent research because you're going to leave the organization. Uh-huh. And it's funny because it's true because you realize it's not the truth, but they don't want you to know that. So they just say you're only you're going to leave Jehovah's organization if you start reading on your own. So anyways, my friend, he, you know, told me some things that he was looking into. And he ended up just writing a letter saying, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And so instantaneously, he was shunned by everybody, including me. And you know, one day I'd like to connect with him again and just say sorry. Not that I would expect him to be my friend after 20 years. It would just be to say sorry. Mm-hmm. 20 years, man. Can you imagine? Like, I did a lot of stuff with this guy and I just cut him out. And just dropped him like that. Yeah. him. He kind of helped me a little bit with the waking up. So he sort of planted a few seeds. Um, and another seed was basically I had this conversation with an elder in my hall and he was trying to get me to do some math and I was humble enough that I thought that he was teaching me something and that I just was too stupid to understand. But what he was teaching me actually just didn't make sense. And I didn't connect the dots until years later. Um, I had mentioned before offline how they came to 1914 and they said that's kind of their big year for Bible prophecy. And they get there by, you know, combining a few different scriptures that are unrelated into a makeshift prophecy that says Jesus came into power in heaven in 1914 and he chose Jehovah's Witnesses as the religion to represent him. So anyways, that whole prophecy that they're talking about requires ancient Jerusalem to be destroyed in 607 BC when essentially it happened in 587 BC. They've been basically gaslighting their entire 
religion, like every 8 million people into saying, no, it actually happened in 607 BC. Because then if that, if that event takes place in 607, then these cherry picked scriptures that they've kind of put together adds up to 1914 and validates them being chosen as Jesus's representatives on earth. And it all hinges on Jerusalem being destroyed in 607 BC due to their interpretation of the Bible when thousands, like tens, 50,000 plus pieces of Babylonian, mm-hmm. you know, evidence has been left behind. It was probably the worst time to make up a lie about a date because the Babylonians were unbelievably meticulous about keeping records, man. Like they even charted like planetary alignments so that you could say it's October 31st. They're saying the moon is here. And 2000 years later, since it goes in cycles, it's in the same spot again. So, you know, they're right. And so essentially it's just a big gaslighting lie that that was another thing that kind of woke me up. I was just like, okay, so Jerusalem wasn't actually destroyed when you guys say it was, it was destroyed, you know, Mm -hmm. 20 years later. So like, that's a pretty big deal because if without that, they don't have their prophecy about that being chosen in 1914. So those two things were very big now, but what ultimately woke me up was stumbling across the JW forum, the XJW forum on Reddit. And I initially, my heart jumped, but the titles were so intriguing that I just couldn't help it. And I started to read. Did you uh, search that? Like when you went on Reddit, did you specifically put in XJ? Like how did you come across that community? You just out of curiosity. I don't know how I stumbled across it, to be honest. I might've searched something. I think what it was is there was a Jehovah's Witness forum on there for a while. And it's kind of like, it's neither pro nor against JWs. It's just, it's like a sect of JWs. It's weird. Like it, it doesn't make sense, but on there they link to the XJW and I'm like, Oh, this is interesting. So I clicked on it and then I was like, Oh, I better close this. And that kind of happened for a few months where I was just like intrigued, but I felt guilty, intrigued, but guilty. And that just kept going. But there's just like, it was a few stories and one in particular where I read about a disabled child who was, I believe 15 or 16 at the time. And they told their parents something about not believing. It was something that was earth shattering enough that they wouldn't be able to continue being a JW. It might've been that they were um, different sexual orientation, something along those lines. Either way, they were saying that I can't be a JW anymore. And they were special needs and they were around 15, 16, maybe even young as 14. They were kicked out of the house, like an on the street disabled child. And that absolutely shattered my heart. I have a relative who's, you know, disabled and young um, and thinking of this person being kicked out of their house for what they believe Man. at a young age where they can't even bend for themselves. And they're also disabled. Like that is, that was probably one of the most heartbreaking things I had ever read outside of like the CSA allegations and stuff. It's just like this absolutely shredded my heart. And it was at that moment that I was just like, I, I'm reading everything. So I went back to the very first post of XJW and I read all the backlog and then I started commenting and then I started posting and then I started looking up, you know, the YouTube guys and I went through Lloyd Evans, who's a very, you know, he's got a pretty big following, hundred thousand plus people and he's, he really dissects the religion quite a bit. Um, you know, he dissects everything. And when I was going through his stuff, like he's very, he's very reasonable. He was also an XJW himself. He was kind of forced out you know, he of the religion because of, you know, he had some questions and it basically that's how it happened with me too. I told my sister that I didn't quite believe and that was enough. I didn't talk to her again after that phone conversation. She wrote me an email that just said, 
due to this, I'm never talking to you. I can't talk to you until you come back, until you change your mind. Wow. And then when that happened, another other family members followed. There was a few that still talked to me, a few that didn't. And I just realized, like, these guys are just, they're so insane. They're, they're shunning me before I've left, which was all I needed. That was the final push to know that this was just a fucking cult. And so I wrote my letter saying, I am done. And they tried not to accept it. They said, well, you know, like, can you give us a call? Can you do this? And it's like, no. And I had just like, you know, I, I finally relented because one of the guys I knew for a long time. And I just said, look, man, I'm like, I just don't like all this CSA that's going on, you know, and I don't agree with the blood policy. So I'm out. And so I left. <laughs> they actually have you write, or they expect you to write a letter stating your reason for separating? You don't have to give them a reason. All you have to say is, I wish to no longer be counted as one of Joe's witnesses. You can disfellowship me, disassociate me, effective immediately, date it, sign it. You can take a picture and, of that document and text to an elder. Email it. Yeah, something like that. Like you have to do an official resignation. And sometimes you'll get an exit interview, which I joke about, because a lot of times we call it like a corporation or a company. And then I make a joke that it's an exit interview. If they try to contact you, why the heck are you leaving? If you don't give them any reasons, that kind of makes them crazy, right? Like mm -hmm. for them, it's just like you're giving up on an eternity in a perfect world. Like it just blows their mind. They can't comprehend that they could possibly be wrong or that reality is something different than what they know. And once that happened, you said that your, your immediate family disowned you. So when I wrote the letter, the only people that contacted me still were my parents for a few months afterwards and eventually i got okay. eventually i got the email saying this makes jehovah sad or some bullshit and we can't talk anymore did you ever try to reach back out to them or you just left it at that for the time being i did a couple times um i sent you know a couple news articles you know it's like i sent i think i sent i said hey like i mean if i was you i would at least want to be aware of what's going on in pennsylvania like i don't want to i don't want to go knocking on a door trying to sell my religion to somebody only to find out 14 pedophiles just got arrested right so it's like <laughs> how do i convince somebody to be a jw when the religion is an absolute danger to children yeah like you can't and because of me not being able to promote it anymore like i mean eventually it leaves you to leaving man it's all it's almost like i don't know what, what they're i can't get in anybody's head and and, and figure out the reasoning behind it but some i don't know whether they feel like they're too invested into it it would be a shame to find out that this is false because then it then you have to come to the realization and 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 face the fact that you've wasted 20 30 years that sunk cost fallacy yeah. where you've you've put so much into it, it it just has to be true at this point and you get that with yes. a lot of the older people like i didn't i had no intention of leaving like I was what was called faded, where it's like, yeah, I don't go to meetings. I don't go preaching, but I'm not bothering anybody. I'm not promoting JWs. I'm not trashing them. I'm just, I'm on my own. They're on their own. We're leaving each other alone. I didn't want to break my parents' hearts, right? It's like they're old enough that it's like, I don't want them to all of a sudden think they're not going to wake up when they die and see me. There's probably a lot of people, you think it's fair to say there's a lot of people that, that are in that position like you were. They're not they're not that invested in it. They're not outreaching every Saturday. They're not going to every meeting. They're not uh, meeting up with their their uh, tech studies or Bible studies. They're, they just are. They put that label on them. I'm a J-Dub. I, I was brought up this way, and this is the way that I am. Like what I would call myself was basically physically out, mentally out. I hadn't officially left or anything. 
I just like mentally, I had no intention of promoting this religion anymore or following it. So like mm-hmm. I was a hundred percent out as far as what you're saying is like, if there's never any, like they, they warn against that kind of attitude, they call it lukewarmness, right? Where, yeah, lukewarmness in the Bible. Yeah. You're either hot, you're hot or cold. And so they, they really embed that in the JW personality. Yeah. So like there is nothing but true believers in that religion. Man. Okay. So they promote that. They don't want any kind of um, wishy-washy stuff. They want you to be all for it. Like, like we were saying, you're either, you're either for us or you're against us. One or the other. Exactly. There's, and it's, yeah. And black and white thinking absolutely abounds in that religion. It, it's an extremely unhealthy religion for children to grow up in. It's, it's so damaging to your worldview to view every single person you see who's worldly as if they're just like the walking dead. They're like, this person's just, they're bird food, man. Any minute now. <laughs> and it seems like w- when you were speaking about all these cases, this is a worldwide thing where, where slowly but surely the light is being shown and people are waking up to the corruption. The reckoning is is coming the day of reckoning there it is like i mean they got their asses handed to them in australia i don't know how you could be an australian jw and show up at somebody's door like i would be embarrassed i just don't get it but they're investigated there i i honestly hope that this investigation in pennsylvania because there's a million jw's in the usa that could benefit from knowing the truth and it's not that i want to influence what people believe i don't care if you will as long as you know If you know that you're supporting this religion and what the religion is all about, you know all the facts and you still want to support it, that's fine. Like, I don't agree with it, but if, as long as you know, but if you don't know that there's all this CSA and hidden problems and that elders are not actually appointed by Holy Spirits and these guys can be pedophiles taking your children out in service, you don't know these things, that's a danger. That ignorance is a danger. And And they also still fall under that tax exempt law, don't they? Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, speaking of them, they are registered charities, almost every country in the world, as much as they can get it, they'll get it. Um, I did mention that they lost it recently in Norway. um, And that came down to the fact that Norway found their shunning treatment to be very cruel, especially since it was directed towards children. You know, often kids get baptized quite young. And when you're a 12 year old kid, you're not thinking about sex or drinking or anything like that. You're just thinking, I'm going to be a good kid and do what my parents say. So you get baptized at 12. When you're a teenager, 13, 14, 15, all of a sudden sex and drinking and things that you can get to fellowship for come into play. And it's easy for you to see a scenario where kids are underage, being disfellowship, being shunned, losing all of their family structure and friend structure. And Norway said, bullshit. And they said, you're not a charity. <laughs> and that I want to see that happen throughout the world. Yeah. That's what we were talking about was the, the the fact that um like what could be what could be some of the reasons that people um would choose not to separate themselves from it or or wake up to it and, and a lot of times also because it was briefly mentioned about being invested, but you have you you're separated from everything outside and all you have is this organization so now if that's taken from you you have to hit the floor and start from script like for you for instance now how was it once you uh once you woke up and you said you know what f this i'm i'm out and you wrote your letter did you um 
you you lost the support pretty much that's your world i i don't i don't know is it safe to say you had no outside friends no worldly friends beside every people in the organization that's exactly what they're called they're called worldly friends um they they call they call worldly people worldly people and you are encouraged to not make friends with them i followed that encouragement so i had never had a single worldly friend like i i've made a few friends over you know gaming and a few ex- So you had to start from scratch. Oh, I'm still at scratch, man. Wow. This was how long ago? Uh, it's a couple of years ago since I've disassociated, but it's like, it's, it's very hard when you're like, you know, I'm not, qu- I'm quite middle-aged-ish, but it's like, you don't have a single friend. COVID is around. Yeah. It's extremely isolating. My closest friend was the guy who ran the convenience store next to me for a few years because it's like, that's all I had. How, how well, I mean, it, it's very damn fresh, especially considering the fact that you that that's your whole life up until a couple years ago. And you're being introduced. You're like now you're you're probably um, entertaining things that you you've never known was was out there before all these worldly things. Like, how has that experience been for you? Um, Yeah, like it's honestly like. I'm I'm not like a teenager anymore, right? So I'm not quite like as, yeah. as crazed as I used to be, but it's it's interesting. Like I've I've opened my mind up a lot to relationships. Like uh, a lot of being a JW is like you know people get married young because they can't have sex without being married, which is fine. You know I understand that principle, um, but a lot of them get married too young, like stupidly young, like teenagers. And just seeing that and seeing a lot of unhappy marriages years later and people trapped because they made this one time decision because like divorce is it's it is happening quite a bit more in the JW religion than it used to. But it's still very frowned upon and doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would literally just ride out the most miserable fucking marriages ever because there's a scripture in the Bible that says God hates a divorce. And that's all they do. Yeah. They use that scripture and it guilts all these people to stay in shitty I think I think it says something about like only if it's for infidelity. But other than that, um, you have to write it out to the end. Precisely. And like they even have, you know, they've even had articles in the past about writing out domestic violence situations. Just saying, you know, he might beat you. But if you like they had, a, you know, interviews with JWs who were like, my husband was physically violent with me for 25 years. But eventually he became a Jehovah's Witness and stopped beating me. I mean, like, that leaves the door open. That leaves the door open for something like that. Like someone who's distorted a, a, a couple and you have either the husband or the wife and they can they can play with that and just say, you know, I'm, I do anything and everything and say, well, you can't leave me because you know what the Bible says and you know how God looks at that. Dude, like you're when you expand on that, you're looking at there's probably marital rape scenarios. They had a lot of weird rules back in the 70s and 80s. One of them was that homosexuality was not counted as fornication. So a guy could cheat on his wife with a dude and she would have to stay married. Oh, wow. And so people were going out and doing that just so they can have a a little side, side piece going on? That, even animals, like the, if you believe the crazier rumors, like bestiality was not considered fornication. So it wasn't a divorceable. And this is like, this is old stuff, right? Like this is like 70s, 80s. Weird. I don't know what their stance is now. I don't even want to know, to, to be honest. But back in the day, they had some weird stuff where it was like, dude could hook up with another dude and it would not be considered fornication. I mean, it's like it was wrong and they would get disfellowshipped anyways or in trouble. But the wife didn't have her 
grounds to leave him, grounds for divorce, which is what they call it. Man, that's off the hook. I know, dude, like the layers of this religion will blow people's. This is why I love doing this, because it just blows people's fucking minds. Like they have no idea how absolutely insane these super nice people that come to your door are. That is, yeah, that that was the whole point of it, because like I said from the beginning, I mean, that was my impression. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure there's there's many, probably damn near everybody who, who isn't directly involved with them thinks the same thing. You know, these are fine people. They mean well. And I, I'm pretty sure there are not not to taint everybody involved in it. Like like we were talking about before, there's some people that get in it. Uh, probably the majority they get in they get into this religion because they're they're looking for something to fill a void and they're seeking for a peace or love and and they mean well and they want to go out and they want to help others but man when you start unpeeling that onion it it's gets unbelievable. nasty um, it it is very like shocking to wake up from this reality right because like um i think one of the famous uh, one of the more famous youtubers harrison coulter coined the term false reality possibly coined it i don't know he called it a false reality i like using it and i want to give him props because he's awesome uh-huh so they call it a false reality like when you're a jw they say we live in a spiritual paradise where you can go to any congregation in the world and get love right and like i was mentioning before that's just camaraderie it would be the same as if i met somebody who liked my sports team halfway across the world we would instantly have something to talk about I could drink a beer with that guy, no problem. Mm -hmm. Do whatever, right? And that's that's what that's what they're selling is this spiritual paradise. But that actual that bubble, that bubble is keeping them from reality. And it's it's it is an addictive bubble. Let me tell you, dude. Living thinking that any minute now you could step into a new world where everything's perfect and everything you could ever want and dream will happen, and you'll see your dead loved ones again. You can see why that's addictive. Like it's like I don't want to give that up. If I have to never talk to yeah. my son again so I can see my dead relatives and live forever, it's going to happen. Sorry, son. Yeah. What's been helping you along the way with, with your your transition? Or you, you're, you're already out. You're physically out. You're mentally out. But um, what have you found to, to help you? Because like you, like you said, you're still, you're at scratch. You're at, you're at level zero starting back up. I mean, you have any, you have any things that, that are helping you build and just, you know, move forward. Yeah, that's well. Um, and here's where I would love to give advice to anybody who's in my, in that situation, but I don't have a ton because it's the truth is it's honestly incredibly difficult to start from scratch. One of yeah. the things that makes it really hard is all of a sudden these people that you looked at that were worldly, that were dangerous, possibly under the influence of Satan are now your only friends and family. And trying to trying to drop that veil, that screen you see, that lens you see through, where I see you as a worldly person, as somebody who's potentially dangerous, potentially trying to lead me into trouble, it takes a long time to drop that lens and learn to trust people who were not Jehovah's Witnesses. That's all you can now. And it's a very difficult thing. Like I I did kind of start to make one friend and he like scared me a little because like he, you know, was showing some different sides to himself and it's just like i'm like oh is this like you know and it just kind of knocks you back because it reminds you of your training like these mm. people are dangerous to you so it's like that immediate trigger like made me think oh this person's dangerous but i wrote it out and it's just like you know what he's just the same as everybody else we all have our faults whatever right and it's like that's all it was it was just like my initial reaction was the pre-programming 
So it, it is tough. A, a little bit to get past that pre-programming and to start to trust people and start to start to, you know, really be a human again. Because JWs, they are not really humans. They essentially have any potential, any desires, any worldly desires, any any desire to grow as a human being is scooped out of them. And what's placed in them is a watchtower salesman who is going to wait for God to do stuff for them. So they just wait and they preach and they go to meetings and they wait and they preach and they go to meetings. There's no soul. Yeah. There's no life. That's difficult to do. I, I can't even imagine like you, this is something that was programmed into you for so long. There is no, it's not feasible. It's not realistic for you to be able to drop that in a year, in two years. This is going to be a life. This is going to be a lifelong journey where you're, recovering, healing, and, you know, you're just pressing, pressing forward the best you can. Like I, like I mentioned before, I was indoctrinated before I was born. Like I was listening to these tapes, you know, in the womb. And, you know, we talked a bit about how that definitely starts the influence of the child. And it's just, it, it takes so long to undo that indoctrination. It's, it's wild, right? Like to, to see the storms, to see the world, the way it is now to try to think that, because I'm, I'm like a JWs absolutely believe we are on the verge of Armageddon. Like they are convinced more than ever that it is any second now. And I, I look at the world and I don't, I don't not see a bit of a chance of some sort of a nuclear Armageddon. But it's like trying to see past that and grow as a human being when you're no longer having these apocalyptic fears is a real challenge. And you're not really a normal person trying to integrate into life. Like, like mm. if I just sat down and just met somebody and I was like, yeah, hey, I just spent the first 35 years of my life thinking people like you are going to die. Here's why. It's like I'm a damaged individual and trying to recover yeah, from that. I, I, I can only imagine. But I commend you because you had something inside of you. It was being rubbed the wrong way about what was going on and you acted on it. That's that's the whole point, because there's a lot of people I'm sure that are were in your situation that are that are in your situation. They feel that, but they don't act on it. And I think I think the more and more you ignore that, the the smaller and and lighter that voice gets to the point where you, like you said, some of these people, they're just numb and cold in the inside and it's left them. I honestly, like, I wish I was that noble, but I didn't have a choice. And the only reason why I'm talking to you now is because I, because I just spent, you know, years alone without my family and now I'm pissed. Now I'm mad. <laughs> I'm mad at the organization and I want to see it brought to accountability for the lives it's taken, lives it has taken, it's blood guilty absolutely when i you know look back to our death conversation for the children's lives they've destroyed and failed to protect for just the regular like living your life and pursuing education and love destroying that part of people i want them accountable for like they have they are just an absolute cancer as all cults are and bringing awareness is awesome and that's all i live for. i will do whatever i can to bring awareness you know i could i could tell um like right when we, especially because you, you know, we we were talking a bit offline, and then I can tell that this is something that is, you know, it's burning inside of you, and this is having to do with all of the press that has been coming out with a lot more people that are awakened to what's been going on with the J the JW organization. Do you feel 
that they are, as an organization, feeling the pressure from outside? Yes, without a doubt. They recently, I mean, I don't know if they recently renamed it, but they've got this department now called the Public Information Desk, the PID, PID department. And it's helmed by somebody called Robert Hendricks, who uh, you can find a few videos of him on YouTube. Um, they're not, uh, usually the comments have been turned off. Um, and if, mm -hmm. if you see the comments have been turned off, it's pretty likely, like we all kind of suspect that it's a paid time slot because the questions that are asked are all very scripted. And people, you know, between the scripted questions, the very bland answers, and the fact that comments are turned off, everyone kind of in the JW, XJW community is assuming that they've paid for this section of time. Because anytime you see him in a YouTube video that doesn't have the comments turned off, like people from the XJW community will always show up and they'll always correct him because he's trying to, he's trying to minimize and misrepresent um, the nature of certain doctrines that they have and certain practices. Um, one of the things that he talks about is like shunning and he, I, I can't remember the exact video. It's something I'd have to kind of comb through the XJW forum to find. But he talks about shunning how we don't cut people off from their families. You know, he says stuff like that where he's like misrepresenting it, which is, that's exactly what they do. They have training videos and they do like these little emotional dramas where it shows people who have been to fellowship and they're calling their parents and their parents are sitting there watching the phone ring, not answering. They have no idea if this kid is, you know, in trouble or anything and they need help. And this is the kind of thing. So they'll, with one side of their mouth, they'll say, no, we don't cut people off. And then they'll show these dramas internally where they show people being completely cut off. Like the parents didn't even know like why this person was calling. Like how often do you get a phone call these days? It's usually pretty important. Otherwise people send a text or an email. So they're definitely feeling the pressure because they've got this guy out there. He's, you know, he's trying to do the occasional scripted interview. Anytime you can see him on channels where he's not, you know, he always tries to keep things on script. It's very, it's very interesting. So they're, they're definitely, um, like, they're trying to change the perception of JWs. They want to have it both ways. They want to be able to shun people, but they don't want the public to think that that's what they do. And that's almost kind of what this guy's job is, is to go around misrepresenting their actual policies and procedures. Like, they don't want people to think that kids are dying from blood transfusions. They want them to think that they're, you know, they, they would rather just highlight kids who have survived crazy surgeries without blood like they won't talk ever about the negative aspects it's just only the good always do they actually put pressure on on members to shun or disown family that has chosen to uh, separate themselves from the from the organization yeah so it doesn't like if you've sinned and you get disfellowshipped there you're going to get shunned um essentially the group of three men who are determining whether you get disfellowshipped or not have to determine whether you're repent repentance enough to stick around. And if you're not repentant enough, they'll disfellowship you. And then your family would cut you off at that point. If you're living at home, you might have limited communication with your family. They're not going to talk to you about spiritual things. But if you're not living at home, there's a really, really, really good chance that you'll just never speak to your family again until you come back. And it doesn't matter if you're leaving because you've sinned or if you, because you don't agree with the religion anymore. 
And that's basically what started my awakening process was reading a story about a kid who's a teenager and, you know, he didn't believe in the religion anymore and they ended up kicking him out. And to add to that, that situation, he also had a disability. So thinking that this kid is underage and getting kicked out, he's completely on his own and he's special needs is pretty mind blowing to me. Um, like there's so many kids on Reddit who are like, I'm 13, I'm 14. I don't believe anymore. I don't know what to tell my parents. And it's like once a week or more, you'll see these stories pop up. And it's just like, these kids are in a desperate situation because their parents are true believers. And there's, there's no middle ground. There's no possibility the JWs could be wrong. It's either they're right or you're an apostate. So it's almost like a hundred percent chance if this, if this uh, teenager, 13, 14 years old, if they were to say something, the parents would kick them out the house. Uh, it's definitely not a hundred percent chance. There is situations where the parents will try to, you know, work it out with them. I was one of mm -hmm. the kids who was a bit rebellious. I got kicked out as an underage child. My parents literally didn't know where I was, didn't know if I was safe. I was, I think I just turned 17. So yeah, I was starting to become an adult, but still, I was a teenager. They still had a legal responsibility. So Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen all the time. You'll get the odd story of a parent who will try to accept and understand. A lot of it usually depends on whether the child's been baptized or not. The baptism is that's how they control you. Because if they don't baptize you, they can't disfellowship you. If they can't disfellowship you, they can't make other people shun you. Mm. Okay. So they get a lot of flack. They claim they don't baptize children, but they also have countless stories about people getting baptized as children you could spend less than five minutes and find 10 stories of kids baptized before they were teenagers and you're not exactly taught everything right like they withhold a lot of information mm -hmm. they teach that jerusalem ancient jerusalem was destroyed in 607 which combined with a few other unrelated scriptures equals this prophecy of them being chosen in 1919 so they already teach like an alternate history compared to like, I think 50,000 pieces of evidence that prove 587 was the correct date for Jerusalem's destruction. But if that's the correct date, then it destroys their prophecy of being chosen, right? So they have to stick to that. And it's, it's, a, it's a tough pill to swallow. And as a kid, you're not taught the reality, the truth that Jerusalem was destroyed when it was. You're taught this alternate timeline, which includes a vague prophecy, which includes them being chosen, which includes they're basically Jesus's brothers and you have to listen to them. Mm. Speaking and about, yeah. yeah, sorry, keep going, keep going. No, no, no. I, I was going to say, speaking about some of their teachings, what is it about the whole name Jehovah and the organization? Is that God's? I know you yeah, had it. So they, they really latched onto that name early in the 1920s or something like that, I believe is, is when they adopted the name Jehovah's Witnesses. They were initially called the, international bible students or something along those lines um so they they found this you know the name jehovah in one of the translations and they they'll kind of include the truth about where it comes from so they'll they have an article where they say they'll describe how it was translated so the guy who translated it the ancient israelites were kind of superstitious about saying god's name so they didn't include the full name in their text. They included just the consonants, which is the Y-H-W-H, -H, also called the Tetragrammaton. Yahweh. Exactly. 
Um, so above the tetragrammaton, they would write the vowels for a different word, which was a title they used for God. It was father or something along those lines. I can't remember. So the guy who translated the name Jehovah took the vowels from the title, which was written above the tetragrammaton, and inserted them into the tetragrammaton and then came up with Jehovah and kind of Latinized from Yahweh to Jehovah. So since the Jews were kind of superstitious, the odds of them putting the correct vowels above the name, you know, when you're trying to obscure it and hide it, doesn't really make sense. You also don't know what order those vowels would go in. So the chances of that actually being God's name is very, 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 very slim to the point where most people would comfortably say it's a mistranslation. So, but it's kind of, it's become a brand for them now. And a lot of, a lot of the reason why these child abuse cases got swept under the carpet was to protect Jehovah's yeah. name. And that is a theme that you will find in many, many of these cases where if it was just a one witness, a one-time thing, they would try to sweep it under the carpet and just say, can we try to forgive and blah, blah, blah. And we want to make sure that we're not bringing reproach on Jehovah's name, which is a huge thing to them because that's basically their brand. They don't want to reproach the brand. They really run like a company. And the more you look into it, the more you realize how much of a company-like organization it is. Like their policies around child um, abuse and reporting, everything is done to protect their financial interests. If there's a case of child abuse being reported, you don't call the cops first. You call the headquarters. Because the headquarters wants to ensure that their finances are protected. They're protected from a legal standpoint. And then they'll advise the elders, okay, you should contact the police or you should encourage the family to contact the police or something. But it's like, the, it's never the first call to the police. It's always the Bethel. You call them. Keep it in house. Keep it in house. They'll determine what the liabilities are and the next steps. Inside the religion is that this is the absolute truth. From the outside, we look like magazine salesmen. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of people think we are. Like JWs believe that they're like warning people that the end of the world is imminent and they need to join this religion or else they're going to die. Nobody, nobody ever gets that message. They get a magazine that talks about some fluff and they hope that you'll just sort of look at their website and become indoctrinated. Yeah. And that's their big strategy right now. And that's why they're like, they're not growing as a religion. They're shrinking in most major places that are like, you know, have good access to internet like the places where they're growing the most are places with mm -hmm. internet which should be pretty telling right because like nobody can do research on this religion because like i mean what's the first thing you do nowadays if you want to join something yeah, you might do a little you research google it. and if you were to google jehovah's witnesses if you look past their own website you can find so much information about this religion that absolutely devastates it that like the only way that the governing body can control it is by telling people not to look at it ever. So they are like afraid, like their JWs are afraid that it's like, you're like, I remember when I first started looking at this stuff, my heart would jump when I would read just the one scandalous title about like Jehovah isn't really God's name. And that would just like make my heart like pound. And I'm like, Oh man, I shouldn't be reading this. Cause like mm -hmm. they just, they condition you so heavily that you are terrified. You are self policing. Mm -hmm. And you're terrified of taking that step of independent thought. And that's so important. That out of curiosity, and that was something that it came up 
and I believe you might have touched on it early in the beginning, but for just to kind of just to kind of clear that out, because I know there might be other people also wondering, like I told you beforehand, um, when I was speaking with my mother and she was like, yeah, that, and, it, and it kind of just brought it brought it back to to me also in knowing people that when I went to school with, they were Jehovah's Witness in every kind of event, celebration, festival, whatever it was, birthday, they completely excluded themselves from the from the environment, from the situation. And they they weren't it seemed like they just weren't allowed to or they didn't want to. But yeah. what do you what are the reasons behind that? All right. So let me all run through them. Um, the, the various different holidays. Oh, there's so there, <laughs> there's a whole grocery, oh, there's a grocery, grocery list, list full of reasons yeah. why. <laughs> There's uh, so with regards to Christmas, Christmas has some pagan origins. Um, that's why there's like a tree and a star above okay, the tree. Yeah, like the uh-huh. tree is a pagan symbol. And so as soon as you say the word pagan, if it has pagan origins, JWs will do anything to avoid it mm-hmm. for the most part. So that basically covers Christmas. Plus, like the idea of Jesus being actually born in December 25th doesn't really align with details of the Bible. Like shepherds were out in the field which they wouldn't have been doing in the wintertime. It was mm-hmm. more likely autumn. So just things like that. So that's that's part of the reason why they don't celebrate Christmas. And, you know, it's essentially pagan. So uh, New Year's Day. So that's another one. We don't celebrate New Year's Day because, I don't know, there's really no, I could never really figure out a good reason why we didn't. It was just sort of, I mean, a new a new day does have, there is some pagan origins with celebrating the new year. So that was right. basically the main thing they latched onto, but also the idea of a lot of people do like New Year's resolutions. And that was something that was frowned upon because it's like you should be resolving to be a better person every single day. Okay. Um, and that's kind of the way they go through that. So then fast forward to Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day has to do with what? St. Valentine, basically Christian figure from, you know, a millennia ago or whatever that like JWs believe that after, you know, 70 years or so after Jesus died and all the apostles died, the church became apostate. So that apostate church became the Catholic church. And so anything like related to those saints or anything would be frowned upon because we don't, we don't recognize those Catholic saints and all that jazz. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the reason why we don't do Valentine's day. We don't do father or mother's day because it's too much excessive, attention on one individual which would be almost like a form of worship is how it's okay. kind of spread and that same reason is carried on to birthdays too much attention on one individual it's never kind of, mind the the elders or the ones in the church that are holding high positions i mean it seems like they get a lot of attention don't they oh for sure man like the governing body and if you speak against them that's like blasphemy <laughs> It certainly, certainly is. Speaking against the governing body is like a speaking against Jesus. Because they, like, JWs are 100% convinced that the governing body is um, basically, they're going to be co-rulers with Christ. They're going to be sitting there in heaven, like, working side by side with him, having the same level as him. Oh, wow. In, in a way, above angels themselves. Talk about having power. You hold the key right there. You've got the golden ticket. Yeah, like people, and who's not going to, like, if you can convince somebody that, you know, Jesus is directing you and that you're going to be ruling in heaven with him over you, you've got it made. 
right? Like people are going to follow you to the ends of the earth, to their own deaths. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what's happened. Man. So the birthday situation, those in the, in the mother's days and the father's days, that's specifically having to do with too much attention being brought on one person, like as a form of worship or idolization. Yeah. And same with like, I think with Easter, like the bunny thing is kind of a pagan symbol. Pagan, had to do with, yeah. Uh -huh. Had to do with fertility crap. Um, we, they obviously do celebrate the Passover, but the fact that Easter kind of got combined with the Passover it really sort of makes JWs uneasy to go anything near Easter because it's like a pagan holiday that, you know, you can actually see that, that it got intertwined with, mm -hmm. you know, the Passover, which is the Jewish holiday, as well later became the Christian one about Jesus, you know, going to the tomb and getting risen three days later. Um, so that's how we don't do that. I'm trying to think. A lot of JWs don't celebrate Thanksgiving, although there's literally no reason why they can't. It's just that once you're already not celebrating everything, one more you may as well just <laughs> not celebrate that and it's 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 such a weird thing like, go all out I, right I, like it's funny a little funny story this guy tried to ask me once at work and people are usually ready to defend their faith and the one thing i was never ready for is hey you guys don't celebrate thanksgiving right and i'm like no uh, and he's like is that because it's pagan and i'm like uh i don't know i guess so like i had no defense <laughs> like i have zero reason why we don't celebrate thanksgiving it's like who gives a rat's ass? You get together for a yeah. turkey and you say thanks for things you're thankful for. It's like, it's a nice holiday. Right. Maybe and they say something like the same thing with the New Year's resolutions. Like you should be, every day you should be thankful. So it's exactly. not that you have this Precisely. one specific day to be thankful. So why not be thankful every day? Precisely. Yeah. And you're getting, you're getting the mindset of it. And it's, it's weird, but yeah, that's the way it is. And then Halloween is hopefully self-explanatory. Hmm. <laughs> You touched on a whole lot of information. You were running down the cases. You were talking about the beliefs, the doctrine, um, some of the pending cases and some of the past cases from abuse and everything. Now, do you have any places where you can point people to so that they can, if they want to do their own homework and research and look for themselves, if they're more curious as to what's going on, behind the scenes scenes and some of the dark truths that that this uh, organization is trying to conceal yeah so i guess it might be a good time to just speak to speak to jw's out there if there's anyone who yeah. might listen to this it's okay to question and it's okay to ask there's a very famous story in the bible about doubting thomas who did not believe jesus was risen and the man in front of him so jesus had manifested the wounds he had received on the cross and allowed Thomas to even stick his fingers in his side. It wasn't offensive to Jesus for his own apostle to um, doubt him or question. He provided him truth. He provided him immediate response and answers. So any JW out there hears that, just remember Jesus is the example. And he questioned his religious leaders. It's okay to question yours. So outside of that, I guess that was just something I wanted to get out, but, uh, yeah, that's solid, especially because it's, it's from the Bible and scripture. This is a story. And so no, that's, that's, solid, yeah. And right? like, I don't, I don't believe so much in the Bible myself anymore. I'm, I'm not, I'm on the fence about it. I don't really know what it is. Mm -hmm. So when I talk to JWs, like I try to use the Bible because there's many things in the Bible that really appeal to them. And right. And there's a lot of things that identify this religion as a false religion. Luke 21 and 8 is the most damning scripture 
in JW world you could possibly find. And that's where it says, be on the lookout because there's people who are going to come on the basis of my name saying, I am he, like, I am definitely the one who's with Jesus, right? That's what they say when I am he, it's that this guy, like above any other religion that says they're the ones with Jesus, this is the one. And then the scripture continues and then they say the end is near and do not go after them. And that describes JWs to an absolute T. They believe they are truly with Jesus. They will say and have been saying for a century and failing Armageddon predictions, the end is near. And the Bible simply says, do not go after them. And that's what I would say to JWs is they don't analyze that verse in their own publications. It's very hard to find that because they, they can tell how damning it is. So like they just sort of leave it out. They'll, they'll mention it a few times. Like you can search their, you know, a hundred years of their, or like 75 years of their documents that they've been producing all their magazines and stuff. And you'll rarely find Luke 21 and eight anywhere or any of the scriptures that kind of mirror that in the different gospels of do not go after the people who say the end is near. Cause it's just, it just slam dunks this religion. So they don't really encourage people because they like, you're you're talking about they have their documents and everything with some of these scriptures excluded. So it seems like because if anybody wants to do their own research, and especially I don't know if they hold if if the JWs if they hold the the Bible like some religions they hold that to be the unquestionable word of God. Do they encourage people to read the Bible like at home and do their own home, homework? Absolutely. So they they want you to read the Bible every single day don't want you to do your own independent research. If you're going to do research, you have to use JW.org. They want you to use their website so that you're always getting the same consistent answers, whether they're right or wrong. Yeah. If you're reading the Bible, like say, for instance, if, if they're strict on, okay, we're only reading the King James version or whatever it is, the new international or something. But if somebody's doing that at home and they're and they're reading the bible and they come across say luke and then they start i guess maybe that would start planting some seeds of doubt in them like why am i dude that that was probably one of the earliest seeds that was planted in my own mind is, oh was it okay. i was just i was just bored at the meeting one day and we were reading from luke and they stopped reading and sometimes i would do that i would just keep reading because i'm like i'm not really interested in this talk so i'll just keep reading the bible and i felt like it was a little bit rebellious because i'm not listening but I'm also reading the Bible, so there's nothing wrong with it. And then I came across that scripture. And I was, pro I was a teenager, 13, 14. And I was just like, this describes our religion exactly. Mm. And it just, like, that's probably the first crack. That was the first crack in the JW indoctrination. And it just stuck in my brain. You know, from there, it's just like, it takes years. It took years to develop to finally question things and wake up from it all. Because it's just so intense. Wow. It's so intense. Your life is literally on the line and your heart will jump if you look at this information. Also, I didn't really finish because you were saying um, for other people, if they want to look up the religion, your best resource is probably the XJW Reddit forum um, because it combines everything. It goes through the academic things. You know, it has a really good detailed history of a lot of their publications that they don't want to you to see. Right. Because like, like if you look up online, like most of their publications, you can only go back to 1950s. They won't let they like they don't let anyone see their previous to 1950s stuff. Because it is batshit insane. <laughs> hmm. Like these guys were talking like 
always like they are the one true God-given religion. God is going to smite all these religions. Like the stuff they were saying is just an endless stream of the most hardcore, self-righteous, narcissistic Christians you've ever seen in your entire life. And so they kind of, as they realized they, you know, failed predicting Armageddon a few times, they sort of dialed back on some of that stuff, which is interesting to see. Like regular JWs can't get like the full history of their own religion. And it's actually tiered because they do have all the information. They have everything they've ever produced since like 1878. And it's all available in a database, but they only have, they have levels of access. And only the most spiritual people who can handle all the old bullshit that they tried to sell are allowed access to the full archive. Because like no JW alive today would be a JW if they could read the whole history of this religion. They would just think that they were scammed. That's how it goes with organizations is how do you keep what's really going on behind the scenes secret to people? You compartmentalize it. And like you said, there's different levels and there's different tiers to where you're going to have access to certain things. So maybe at the ground level, just a regular goer, he has no idea as to what's going on. But the the higher you get into it, the more invested you become. And once you're finally exposed to this, you're usually you're already at the point where it's all or nothing anyways. And, and there's really no turning around. And who knows, maybe they already have some dirt on you. So if you do try to blow the whistle, exactly. well, you know what? We have this also to tell, you know, to, to share with people. It's that sunk cost fallacy, man. It's like, well, like people, by the time they get to that level, they're in Bethel. They've given up normal life. They're not working. They're not saving. Their life is Bethel. You sold it all for the cause. They take a vow of poverty so they can't earn more than, you know, five grand a year or something like that. Like they put everything on the line. So by the time you get there, it's almost like you're a Scientologist. Like by the time you get to the ninth level, then you start finding out about Xenu and you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. My French, but <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like when you get to yeah. a certain level of JW, you, you know, you might get access to the full archive and you start realizing, Jesus, these guys used to worship, they used to worship Jesus. These guys mm. used to celebrate Christmas. You know what? In Germany, I haven't seen Jehovah's Witness or I haven't seen Mormons. And usually uh, back in California, you see them on a Saturday. You see the Mormons because they have their specific attire. And then you see the Jehovah's Witness on Saturday um, going door to door and uh, passing out their publications and their pamphlets. The Yeah. So an interesting thing happened over the course of the pandemic. Like all of this, when I first started questioning, happened just about a year before the pandemic started. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell anyone. I was just keeping it secret. I'm like, oh my God, I'm in a cult. How do I handle this? Right. And I just read horror stories after horror stories of people saying their families cut them off without any word. So anyways, I joined Reddit. There was only about 16,000 people in that forum when I joined. Today it sits at 92,000, 94,000, I think actually. So that's in less than four years, like 80,000 people joined. Wow. So something big happened over the pandemic and you can see it in their numbers. Like they used to preach, they peaked preaching in 2017 at over 2 billion hours. Today they're sitting at 1.5 billion, which is a huge drop. If you were a company and you said I could produce 2 billion hours and I'm down to 1.5 billion with roughly the same amount of people, there's something going on. 
and people basically the the reports that we've been hearing is people are just you know they're just not interested in going in service anymore mm-hmm. there's there's the hardcore people who will do the carts but your standard jw is really just not doing a whole lot of service anymore and i think you're just like you might see them once in a while now but it's it's definitely died off like covid really beat the crap out of this religion it gave people it gave people years to basically be at home research things think about things and at the beginning of this pandemic one of the governing body guys said this is the end basically he's like this is the final part of the final part of the last days shortly before the final part of the last day right like he's going on he's hammering this home and jw's are all expecting armageddon to start because it's a big global pandemic but it's like after years of nothing happening people are just sick of it they're sick of hearing the same thing and they just started waking up he was doing everything er everything except telling them here you go drink up drink it yeah they're coming they're outside drink it and and basically like i think you're just going to not see that many witnesses out in service anymore because many many people woke up over covid and even now like they they're having a tough time mm-hmm. having service groups like people are reporting you know like a 30 40 50 percent drop in what they used to have you know they might have had 60 people going out of the service on a saturday and they all meet for groups and disperse from there and now it's like 20 people 30 people and and i have no doubt that it's mm-hmm. hard to go out in service and be like a jw when you have to knock on doors and in the news that you're not allowed to read there is story after story of child sexual abuse in your religion. There's stories about people dying from not getting medical treatment. There's yeah. stories about people killing themselves from being shunned. The religion is just so much a stain on humans and on themselves. Like they did it to themselves. Like they wouldn't have an apostate army out there trying to tell everybody about the child sexual abuse if they didn't shun people. They wouldn't have a huge child sexual abuse problem if they just involved the police and stopped relying on Jehovah, who obviously did not show up and did not help them. And many, many times, like these kids were just told to leave these things in Jehovah's hands. And that's the big thing with JWs. They just wait and wait on Jehovah, who, as of now, has done absolutely nothing. (laughs) The waiting game. How long will you wait? Oh, you'll wait your whole life if you're a JW, buddy. You'll wait your whole life. Like, my parents, I think, are old enough now that they are just starting to realize that they're probably going to die before they see the new world. And that was something that they never in a million years would have thought. They lived through 1975, so they were basically expecting the end then. They lived through the year 2000, which was another, Mm -hmm. you know, soft prediction date because they said it'll likely come by this time, like before the end of the century. And that was last century, (laughs) you know, a quarter of a century ago already. Um, and my parents, I think they're just starting to realize and I think it's hitting them hard and it's even harder for them because they now have a son who's an apostate and it's such a weird dynamic and they're going on in their minds that it's like, they have to accept the reality that things are not going the way they thought. And then you have somebody who's very close to them telling them, not only are things not going to go that way, but your entire religion is wrong, right? I know it's a tough pill to swallow because they're older and it's not something I wanted to do. I wanted to just let them live their lives but since they kicked me out my only choice is to fight back or do nothing and who knows maybe like that one scripture you had 
came across years ago. It was a small seed, but all of these things accumulating within them, maybe there is sometime, hopefully sooner than later, that awakening moment. Do you have any kind of final words or anything that you'd like to share to anybody that may be going through something similar? Yeah, there's there are countless, countless religions and organizations that are high control groups. And the line between high control group and cult is very fine. And it comes down to personal definition. And the high control is, are they controlling who you can talk to, who your partner is, how you have sex? what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. All these are things that are packaged in a way to make it seem like you're getting closer to God when you align with them, but you're really just aligning with a corporate image. They want you to be as presentable as possible. And that's what all these religions are. That's why people who are in cults seem like they're so happy. They're so full of energy because they're all brainwashed to feel like they have something special. They have the truth. And I can tell you the only truth is that no one, no one knows the truth of reality. No one knows. And people make money off of trying to convince you they know the truth of reality. No one knows if we're a creation, we're living in a simulation. No one knows if God made us, aliens made us. No one knows. So question everything. Never stop. And for the love of God, don't follow people who say they know the truth of reality because no one does that's what i always like to say myself is question everything that that critical thinking that's really one thing that is a threat to any kind of establishment that is trying to take dominion over your life and like you said with this organization or any any kind of system if you steal the mind the body's going to follow and that's one thing that we have to really protect and we have to be uh, mindful of when we're navigating ourselves through life. And also, like you said, mm -hmm. question everything. It doesn't matter if it's coming out the Pope's mouth, if it's coming out whoever it is, your favorite. Nowadays, it's not even really the religious leaders, but just leave it to whoever uh, makes music or whoever's on the big screen or whoever's an influencer on. Uh, <laughs> those, are, those are the new stars and the idols these days. Yeah, dude. People under the influence of people. That's it's right. It's a dangerous concept. Like... You can see people aligning themselves with certain political leaders, you know, and it doesn't matter mm -hmm. what sort of scandals these leaders have gone through. Like, they just don't care. They won't see it. They just look at this person as if they're almost like a demigod. And it's kind of scary because these people, at some point, you stop thinking for yourself and you start just doing the group think. And the group think is just at some point you get to the top and there's a dude pulling the strings. And you need to ask yourself, why am I following another man? You should be leading yourself. That's right. Take yourself where you want to go. Nobody, nobody knows the truth. Anybody who thinks they know the truth of reality wants your money or something else from you. That's why sometimes people don't look at JWs as like they're a cult because, you know, it's not like you have to go to the top to have sex with the leaders. There's nothing weird like that. But it's like they just want your money. Cults can be cults for many different reasons but ultimately they're going to sap you of something they're mm -hmm. going to sap you of individuality your critical thinking ability your family your money your dignity you will never end up in a better spot when you join these things i just can't imagine it 
be your own person, man. That's, that's it. Be your own person. We're all humans trying to get from A to B. Everyone's on the same journey. Nobody has not died yet. We get born, we live, we die. Be kind. <laughs> <You know. laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. Right on. I, I second that. And man, am I, am I glad that we were able to work this thing out because uh, for just everybody that will have this playing through their ears at one point, it was a, a bit of a, it was a bit of doing. I mean, we had some external forces really trying to keep this thing from <laughs> yeah. happening. We, we, uh, we, there was a knockoff on the end of the first recording. We tried to do it the other day and, and things didn't work out, but we finally got it right today. So man, um, I appreciate you being as flexible as you were. And, and so, you know, fired up about, about this message because, um, I think that just shows how how important and how real this is to you, and and for sure that's going to to come off and and um, hit somebody where it needs, where, where it's fitting. And so yeah, I, I thank you for so. your time. Thank you for your words. Yeah, You're and, and for everything that you shared with us today, I appreciate it, and I wish you well. And I think maybe your loved ones also will uh, see the light and wake up, waking up to their own reality. If it's if it's them, your loved ones are just people in general that have been tied up to this for uh, quite some time. And they've been robbed of their uh, creativity, their individuality, their freedom, everything like that, that uh, that that awakening comes soon, sooner than later. Wake up to the real reality. You got to get out of the false reality. Yeah. All the best to you. And I, I wish you well in your endeavors and everything that you uh, set out to do. Thanks, man. And same to you. I appreciate the opportunity. And yeah. great job, by the way. I know you're starting out. It's, you're natural. You've got the talent, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Question everything. And especially nowadays, it would behoove us to think critically. When you lose that, when that isn't functioning anymore, when that goes silent or you're on airplane mode, then that leaves room for someone or something to put their thumb over you, to put their importance over you and tell you how you should live, how you should move, what you can and can't do. FS had that awakening. He came to it years later, having grown up with this ideology that controlled his life, the life of his family, the life of his friends. That was his world for so long. I mean, we're talking about a fresh start starting from ground zero again. When all of that is pulled from you and you have to pick up the pieces yourself and do it without the support that you've known, without your family there, without all the people that were in your life at one time, having nothing, risking all of it. Because that ideology no longer aligns to the truth within you. As much as he said, I'm not that noble, I still have to say that takes courage. Not to just be mentally out, but physically out. And, and speaking out against it, not just keeping quiet. This is the burning conviction inside of him. He's pissed off, like he said. That's a righteous anger. And there's nothing wrong with it. He's standing on moral, he's standing on principle. And he went against the governing body, which cost him everything. But he stood for something. He stood on moral. He stood on principle. He stood on truth, on what's right. My man, you are a giant amongst us. 
Stick your chest out and be proud of what you've overcame, what you stood up against, and I sure do hope in time that your loved ones come to it as well. I think you're leading the way. How important is it for the freedom of information? Imagine that. Imagine had there not been any access to the internet so that he can do his own study, research, stumble across a couple of stories and and words from people who were once a part of this organization but no longer. To hear these stories and to hear these allegations and these cases and what's going on, things that he would have had no idea about. But because the freedom of information, he got hip to it. He woke up. He took that information, chewed on it, digested it, and he acted accordingly. So FS, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for standing for something. Thank you for voicing your concerns and sharing your story with us. If anybody's interested in doing their own homework, like what was mentioned, to think critically for themselves and not just take what he was saying at face value and as gospel. But if you want to look into it yourself, if you want to comb through this information that he provided, he spoke about a website. He spoke about a few places that you can do your own research and come to your own conclusions about how you feel about this organization and whether or not you think it's cultish or something that you want to be a part of. The websites that he spoke about, the references that he mentioned, I will leave that information in the show notes so you can check out those links and see for yourself. Thank you for tuning in. Everybody from Tennessee to overseas, hope you enjoyed today's story. If you found value in it, if it resonated with you, if it spoke to you, you can go to that favorite platform of yours, leave a review, a rating, share your thoughts. You can also find us on GiantsAmongstUs.com, the website, on Reddit. The Instagram is there. I haven't been too active on it lately, but we're going to keep this thing going. And hopefully before the end of the year, I'll have one more story to share with you. And when you get a chance, or not even when you get a chance, but make some time to tell your loved ones you love them and to give them their flowers while they're still here because tomorrow it isn't promised and before we go if you would like to be a part of the show and share your story or maybe even a story of someone in your life that has impacted you in a positive way you can always reach out to me via email I'd be happy to connect until next time And very soon. Peace. Looking for a sign to know I'm on the right road. Ain't seen no sign since Jericho.